can I use hot water on my face? No. You know, I am not a businessman. I am a holistic healer. It's a calling. It's a gift. You see, it's in the best interest of the medical profession that you remain sick. See, that ensures good business. You're not a patient, you're a customer. And you're not a doctor, but you play one in real life. What about shaving? You're eating too much dairy. And that was like a big deal, because it's like, yeah, the man in black. So, speaking of men of a variety of shades, uh, eggplant thoughts. Oh, yes, no, sorry, I had to. That took me a second. I was like, eggplant, the fucking the color of Georgia's skin. He looks like a goddamn oompa loompa. Well, I was gonna kind of. Spoil a bit of the Elaine B story, uh, but uh, you'll have to wait until the end of the episode uh, to get there. So, the heart attack. This is the yeah. show, a Seinfeld Dude. podcast. I'm your host, Hot Bean Water, the wise rabbit himself. Don't <laughs> fold the maps. Got my oh. good buddy with me, the king of chill, CJ. How you doing? Saw, dude. <laughs> Large and in charge, dude. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm like, it felt good to sit down with a cup of hot bean water this morning, myself, and freshen up with a little bit of Seinfeld. Like I was like, man, this feels good. A little bit of a little nice smooth guitar riff, the docile tones of Jerry talking about things <laughs> and life. But yeah, it did. You're right. It did feel good to get up this morning. I'm in my new little, I'm going to call it my studio, but it's really just my, my kitchen nook with a PVC wall to, you know, kind of dampen the sound a little bit. But as you saw, I got my my little coffee stand behind me. But yeah, it's a good day to talk about some Seinfeld, man. So yeah, I saw your little coffee stand. You kind of showed it off a little bit when we started off this, uh, this uh, chat. And I was like, man, that's, that's dope. I don't have a coffee station. I have a coffee pot, and then it just kind of is my coffee station. I sit you, like, well, my, if you've my, got a coffee pot, you've got a coffee station, brother. My um, my air fryer kind of serves as my coffee station because it's where I sit my my coffee and my coffee uh, filters on top of that. <laughs> so there air fryer, it just it just proves that it's just it's, it's just the best new thing out there. All it you takes need care of all of your needs. All you need for a coffee station is coffee maker of any kind and just the willingness to enjoy a good cup of joe uh and right now i've got my my big ass big ass yeti here with the the new little handle i have for it which makes it so much easier mm. but it's 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 chock full chock full i'm about halfway through my giant star wars mug so should last me at least the first 15 minutes of the show <laughs> Give you a little ASMR slurp here. There you go. Uh, as Jerry might might put it, he he would have a cookie right now to ruin his appetite. Uh, pretty First of all, pretty... cookies don't ruin my appetite. Ru- co- <laughs> cookies just like further the appetite, but for more cookies. For more cookies, exactly. Uh, 
the notes had to say about uh, this stand-up, because if you notice, the stand-up has nothing to do with this episode, and we are missing, did you notice we're missing a middle stand-up? We just get bookend stand-ups. That's and true. That had, there, there is just a beginning and an, and, and an end here. And that it? had to do with just as the show evolved, it became, you know, we can't always write these. Jerry just didn't want to always write the stand-up jokes around the story because then you kind of have to work the story around, you know, whatever stand-up jokes. So for things just to be a little more free-flowing, you know, that just happened. And then as the stories grew more uh, complex, they just got pushed out, and we'll definitely see that in the later seasons when they drop the stand-ups all together and go with uh, the classic cold open. Uh, but yeah, I, over- I, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say overall good joke. Um, the only other thing I had on yeah, it exactly is the there's a trio of stand-ups that Jerry recorded here for the Heart Attack, the Revenge, and the Deal which coincidentally are the final three episodes of our season two. And uh, they were shot the day before the studio scenes for this uh, episode were shot. Um, I, I just found that, I just that, found that like, interesting. They batched that shit together, which we've talked about. I before. will say that this joke um, definitely made me laugh a lot more than the ending joke. I don't even remember what the ending like, joke I, was. I really enjoyed the, this joke. The ending joke was... Oh, um, the headache commercial. Yeah, or the headache got, joke. Yeah. yeah. I, I I had a heart attack this big, and then yeah. I took one of these. Kachunka. Well, I'll go... Even though, like, yeah. like, like, I enjoyed the joke, but, like, it didn't make me, like, chuckle, kind of like the first one did. I can, tell, I can tell you why, because that joke is a play on a commercial from around that time by do you remember the headache medicine company Excedrin? Oh yeah. They would run commercials where a guy would talk about I had a headache this big and then I took an Excedrin and now it's gone. And so Jerry's making a play on that, but if you haven't seen the commercial, you know, cuz you're not of that time period, you may the joke may fall a little flat for you. And this episode specifically is full of so many just like pop culture references and riffs on stuff. That's not the first commercial that Jerry riffs on in this uh, in this episode. He'll he'll make a comment towards later. But it's interesting that you mentioned how the first joke hit better than the last joke when the last joke is specifically something relevant to that you know era. Well, so I think part of that is I mean one I. I I do think it's better that I laughed at the first joke. The first joke kind of sets it up, kind of, kind of gets me primed and ready. And the last one just kind of a, a, a tie, tie the knot together. But what I was gonna say is, going into this episode, man, you talk about like, I don't know where this episode goes, and this is probably one of the zaniest. Seinfeld episodes we've covered so far like I felt like this episode especially the first half of this episode was like bouncing off the walls like I I, I don't know it just felt all over the place and you mean you mean very zi- sexual very z- sexual the first half very, uh did you say sexual yeah dude they make a lot of like sex jokes and stuff towards the, the whole first half sex is mentioned so just, many times and and even in the first half 
uh, George in the hospital calls Jerry a jerk off, which oh, I yeah. didn't think, you know, I felt At like that time, was kind yeah. of, kind of pushing it for, for yeah. them even, you know? If you think, but, if you think all the sex yeah, talk sex is, is bad, mentioned a lot wait, in the first half. wait until I get to the alternate, uh, description of the date elaine has it is so raunchy i was like oh my god no wonder they didn't put this they didn't shoot this and they rewrote it well, uh, and i but- know i know this is this this first episode and pardon me i'm i'm gonna get one in because it's been a minute but i i know this first episode or this episode is also written by do 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 tom Sharonis. uh but like Written by the written by Larry Charles, the... directed by Tom Sharonis. Sorry, directed. Thank you for the cover. Um, the first half of this episode and the second half of this episode, to me, seem like almost different styles of episode. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah, but they use the hospital room to tie everything together. You know what I mean? The, the- hospital room, yeah, at the end does. And I do feel like, because you, you've, you've said a couple times now that there's some some alternate stuff, so I figured those, that alternate stuff might have also helped make the episode feel um, a little more together yeah. in my mind. Well, since we brought up Larry and Tom and uh, some behind-the-scenes folks, um, this episode is written Larry by... Larry David, excellent in this yeah, episode, by the way. Right, and, and his first on-screen appearance. There's a lot of firsts in this episode. This is a this is just... A, a, like You were talking about how wild this episode is. It was wild just going through all the notes uh, for it, man. So Larry Charles, who famous for... Uh, Jerry's gonna be a cable boy, cable boy. Uh, <laughs> and all the, the Mets games on cable... Uh, is now trying to kill George. He just uh, what, what's what's he got to do? We got to kill these guys. We have to kill people <laughs> or get them as close to death as we we can. Um, he has said but without this, actually being he, there. He had said this episode uh, multiple inspirations uh, from his own real life. Uh, he would notice that stations would play the same movie dozens of times a week, and this sort of is like the inspiration for you know this beginning joke with uh this movie jerry's watching and then uh quick question about you see it later on at the end of the uh at the end of the episode as well just the same movie on again quick question on on the movie i remember from when i had my dvds that at some point uh larry david does try and like interject one of the movies that he tried to make into the show. Is this one of those movies? Uh, it didn't say. I didn't get anything on the notes. There is... Uh, then probably not. There is writer commentary uh, from Larry Charles uh, as an audio, and which is interesting because he, for his other one, so it seems like Larry Charles might do a lot of audio commentary, which will, which will be a fun insight. So maybe that's where you're getting that information. Um from but I didn't get anything from the notes. It was like a named movie, but it was just uh, one of the. I think it was just a fake thing that they Larry Charles wanted Larry David in front of the camera for. Um, that was great. And then uh, we finally get confirmation. Jerry has a bedroom. 
right? We're, 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 you know, five minutes into the episode. We've got Larry David's first on-screen appearance and proof Jerry doesn't sleep on a pull-out couch in his, <laughs> in his living room. Falling in front of he the have a studio. Falling asleep in front of the TV every night. Um, um, I will say like this is definitely a thing that like I wish, I wish I had. Like he goes to pull out like he has this great joke in the middle of the night. He goes to pull out a notepad and writes it down. I dude, we just need mind notes. We we need something that just automatically jots it down for us just for thinking about it. Cause like I can never remember shit. You know, you're talking about the, like, you're talking about the Matrix, bro. I I I think of like like my wrestling spots and stuff sometimes in like the middle of the night as I'm going to bed and I I really don't want to get up and write them down. I just need something to kind of just flash that for me. See, you need to that's that's when you that need on a notepad. That's when you need to just like like he does just roll over and scribble it down real quick. You don't need it like far, just keep it close. You ain't, you ain't got a notes app on your phone. But yeah, you don't want to open up uh, all do. that light, all that light I in your do, face at night. Yeah, that's true. I, 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 really don't try and use my phone a whole lot at night, except for to play like ambient noise or a podcast. Ooh, here's an um, idea. You, I do keep it away from me. You'd have to activate your your voice settings, but like you could tell your phone to take the note, but you keep it like under your pillow or something. Oh, or like fucking this, this, Siri. The, I didn't this, goddamn think about Siri. You, you keep the screen kind of faced away from you, like maybe like against like the headboard or the wall, so it kind of encloses that light. And like, we're all about life pro tips here. Sort of like George, <laughs> who, you know, brings his own fucking vegetables. Who brings in the ice? So, like, oh, my God. Are you slicing a cucumber? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> fucking unreal. But, I mean, they refuse to put cucumber I need cucumber and uh, got to respect it. Right. Uh, this is, this is another joke that uh, Larry Charles wrote because he claims this is something Larry David would do uh, specifically that, that, would bring cucumbers in, uh, into restaurants. Uh, that surprise me. There's a lot of good alternate jokes. Uh, so throughout the episode, you know, Jerry's going around trying to get people to read, uh, this note and tell him what it says and there were a lot of uh uh a lot of good ones what was um elaine's alternate uh guess um was finally showing pit crews which you know don't mess with johnny is so much better than that like hers was probably the weakest of the alternates uh there's some funnier ones tours is yeah Taurus don't mess with johnny good. is a good was a good line yeah. and you y- you can tell when she when she delivers it, like she's smiling, like like she like, it's it's a good line. Yeah, especially you know. So this is a reference to Johnny Carson, and by this point, you know, in '91 when this episode was shot and aired, uh, Jerry had made his debut on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. You know, almost a decade to the day before, like it was May 6th of 1981. Which uh, I told you a little bit in the pre-show is on the final uh, disc of the volume one seasons one and two. And it's just a, it's fascinating. His jokes, man, he was really funny. Like his first, I don't know, may, maybe they injected some audience like applause, but that that seemed like some pretty genuine audience like uh, enjoyment. What joke did he go with? Little... Dude, it was jokes I had never heard from him before. 
Really? Uh, I figured at least, you know, out of like the... I, I mean, maybe the if I looked back. You would have gone to but, one of his go-tos. Oh, by the time he was on The Tonight Show promoting his Seinfeld uh, stuff, he, yeah, I was like, he told a joke and I was like, hey, I know that from a cold open. Or uh, or from a from a stand up open, but man, what was what were some of the jokes from his first that's, bit, man? I'm sure you can look it up. That's it was, cool that it, that it was, it was, that int- it was you interesting. Heard before. Uh, oh, he does, and he kind of does. He kind of does. I mean, it's 1981 was his first appearance, so you know, comedy is what it is. And he kind of tells he kind of tells a fat joke, uh, but he tells yeah. a fat joke about the world's fattest man. So it's like, I guess that's open terror. He talks about he talks about the dude being in the Guinness Book of World Records. So it's like. I mean, the guy's not ashamed of it, so I can talk about it, right? And he kind of tells a joke about like, what if he loses like two hundred pounds? You know, how? I mean, what do you, what do you, what do your friends say? Ah, you look like a rail. You know, you you hold your pants up, you do a little dance, and I'm like, how much weight I've lost? Like, it was, it was his delivery. I'm butchering it clearly. Uh, it probably sounds awful on this <laughs> end, but uh, his delivery of it is actually really good. good. On this end. And 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 you can kind of tell that like it's it's like kind of like you know it's it's definitely dark humor and coming from like you know sort of a mean mean ish place. But again, like if you're the Guinness Book of World Records for world's like fattest man, you're not exactly ashamed of that title, right? So uh, yeah, fair true. play to you. Um, but yeah, the crowd just seemed to genuinely, uh, genuinely like him, uh, which I found like I was like, well, like like uh, the they weren't sure about him at first, and then you could see the crowd really get into his act as as he, uh... and then Johnny Carson gives him this like really like one of those intense looks where you know you know that meme where it's like find somebody that looks at you the way so and so looks at so and so, and it's like a really intense look at you know whatever. Uh, it looked like Johnny Carson gave Jerry Seinfeld one of those. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> that was a bit of an intense look there, Johnny. But should we talk about George's heart attack? So I think it's it's it, it's funny that like the moment George's like, "Oh, I think I had a heart attack." Jerry's like, "No, I fucking I told you about this thing on TV, the coronary country." He turned it on, and now he thinks. He's having, I mean, this isn't the first time. There was nothing happened. on TV. <laughs> in uh, uh, in the deleted scenes, Jerry goes on a little bit and says, remember that time you thought you had a brain tumor? Turns out your glasses were just over prescriptioned or whatever. <laughs> your glasses prescription was too strong. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a very George thing to be to be a hypochondriac for sure. I, the whole the whole time, Jerry's just like, stop. And then they get the check, and then George's like, ah, uh, you you overcharged me for this. Oh, there's a whole there's a whole bit uh, that they had to cut out um, from this scene about him, um, like because he tells Jerry to go outside uh, and call an ambulance, and he says no, call a cab, and Jerry makes a comment about, oh, you're gonna pay for a cab now. <laughs> Talk about George's cheapness. <laughs> And as they're waiting there, he finally just tells Elaine to go call him an ambulance. And as he goes to leave, the cook comes out and like hands him the half of the cucumber that he left. And he's like, if I catch you in here with this again, <laughs> with another cucumber. <laughs> so there's a whole bunch that happens to George while he's like, funny. Oh, I'm, having a, oh, I'm having a heart attack. It's it's really good. They're all in the deleted scenes. I'm sure you can find them online or if you've got the DVD they're uh, they're there. Um, I'm sure they're on. YouTube. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's such a – just, like, this is where you can really tell that, like, 
these people may not be the best. Because, like, man, if you thought, like, we're really good friends. Like, we like to rag and bust each other's balls. If you told me you were having a heart attack, I really wouldn't fuck around with you. Even if you had seen some heart attack documentary the night before, I'd be like, all right, man, let's go. I'll call you an Uber. How about that? You know, maybe something <laughs> fancy like a black or you know SUV so you can lay down. But How kind of you. Yeah. I wouldn't just kind of like joke about it and like be sarcastic uh, as well. So I think this is like definitely like our first uh, look into like or – First, very uh, blatant uh, appearance of these people are kind of dicks. So George is in the hospital, and uh, the guy Jerry still being a dick. Jerry, of course he's well. I mean, of course there's nothing wrong with George. Like his his confirmation that George is a hypochondriac is you know uh, true. Uh, or is confirmed, but the guy moaning in the bed, or he's called, he's he's not moaning, he's groaning, man. Uh, Pat Hazel, he wrote in season one. I was like, I knew I recognized that name. He he wrote in season one. He just kind of stayed involved uh, through the the show as the warm up comedian for the studio audiences. So he come out and tell jokes before the episodes, which I found that kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the nurse, uh, the nurse's alternate guess for the note, uh, <laughs> framing guilty Hebrews. <laughs> like if they're guilty, why do they need framing? That's what I don't understand. Framed. That's funny. Yeah. So, uh, and this nurse would be a part of like Elaine's kind of B plot. So she saw some more scenes, um, cause Elaine, um, yeah, all you get to the McDreamy plot. Yeah. So yeah, Dr. Fine spelled F E I N, which I found that pretty, pretty funny. Um, a little wink, wink and a nod. Yeah. So the, the, the B plot is basically Elaine is waiting in the uh she's in the waiting room and she's reading reader's digest about this person and they shot they actually shot these scenes in the deleted scenes and they're talking about this woman named Marilyn whose bo is so like she she's got like this <laughs> genetic condition where she's just she just reeks and it's unfortunate and she would work the county fair circuit as Marilyn the funky gorilla girl what and they wouldn't, like, Elaine was getting to the end of the, the article, and they wouldn't let her take the magazine with her. And she was complaining. She's like, it's two years old. And Jerry responds with, well, you know, you got to have something to read there because if, you know, you don't, the place would just turn to just a shit show. <laughs> and they have this whole conversation about this woman with, like, funky B.O. And Gary's like, uh, Gary, Jerry's like, it was a kind of a garlicky smell or, uh, you know, was it more Jim Locker room? <laughs> <laughs> and the nurse kind of like hunts her down and and at the end of the episode uh uh runs in and uh tells elaine to to give it back to her and elaine asks her how the story ends but i'll, I'll save that to the very end because it's relevant um but yeah that was the, the, i really i was like that was a good b plot like as far as B plots go, like they were really trying to like get Elaine involved, and I like that. Yeah, instead they just have her sit in a car for 
most of the episode. They tried. That was definitely the more interesting of the two. If you got to pick one or the other, you know, the Dr. Fine stuff is, is I think a little more intriguing. Um, I wish all four of them would have been in the episode, in that, in that room together. Cause I don't think all four. Um, yeah. I think Kramer came in after Elaine after left to go chase the down doctor, doctor down. Yeah. And he comes in like right after that too. Um, <laughs> like the and as opened up a hospital. Yeah, and as I sent you, the notes are very clear. Entrances don't count unless they're into Jerry's apartment. So but see, this doesn't so this count. Is, this is part of what I was talking about with the first half of the show being so sexual too. Is then you get fucking Kramer making all the 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 sex references and sex noises and. Yeah, you got to watch the the sex now, or else you know, boom, boom, boom. boom. <laughs> we find out that uh, George is thirty three. Yeah, that was a very interesting. Like, there, there's a whole thing in the notes about how Jerry and George were supposed to have met in fifth grade gym class, yada yada yada, and, and they just chalk it up to, you know, they went with realism over you know continuity and. When that happens, sometimes it'll bite you in the ass. I've, I, you know, because Jerry is supposed to be three years older, um, as stated, like uh, in The Stranded, I believe. And then, yeah, so there's like a whole age difference discrepancy, but it's not something that like plays much. They're, they're supposed to be in their mid 30s. Uh, there was a really good quote from Jerry during the first season about his attitude on the show. And I'm just going to go ahead and read that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to do something about my life, how I live, how my act comes out of what I do. One of the funniest things people never see about comics is their real life. And that's what people get in Seinfeld. My whole career has been making interesting mountains out of molehills. And as I get older, the molehills are getting smaller and the mountains keep getting larger. And um, I wish I could credit whoever gave him that interview, but, you know, who gives a fuck about citing your sources? Notes about nothing. <laughs> so I get hounded for it in my fucking college classes. Um, which I found interesting. It's a pretty good encapsulation of, you know, what Jared yeah, does. I, I, what I, what I, they do I in the show describes... is they make mountains and molehills. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they like we've talked about before, and like, like what the show is, is they take the mundane thing and turn the volume up to, you know, 1100. Um, and they do a good job of it. It, it, it's, 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 it's fucking Seinfeld. Oh, um, well, yeah. It's just, it's, that, I mean, that, that's a quote from like the very first season and how they kind of stay true. You know, to that throughout the whole thing, like they're constantly taking these little things in life and blowing them way out of proportion. So, I liked uh, I liked Jerry and Elaine arguing and completely ignoring George. I thought that was funny. I I think it's interesting that they that I don't know the the whole tonsils TV trope thing, and yet they they still make it. Interesting, you know, the whole... Well, you know, Larry the, Charles' the whole, tonsils the, actually grew uh, back. That's crazy. Yeah. And I so that was like a that whole could, real thing. That that could happen. 
Yeah. Um, and, but uh, like, I haven't had my tonsils taken out, but I, the only thing I know about tonsils it, about them is you get them taken out and you get ice. And that TV constantly does a thing apparently. in the hospital where like, oh, having your tonsils uh, out can kill you. Like, TV tries I, to put that surgery. trope out there. Y- yeah. And I guess it's the the most common... I'll fall for it. <laughs> ...minor surgery. But, I don't know. It just... It's a it, it's a TV trope that I... I mean, you see in, like, every sitcom, almost. Uh, the guy who played Dr. Fine, uh, pretty regular character, actors, appeared in everything from Definitely Dallas to Cheers... Hot. News are definitely 90s hot. And uh, one of my favorites, Jag. Um, when, uh, he, had, he had that nice, <laughs> luscious, curly hair. I know, without having to permit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, get a I, Romeo like, and Juliet reference. I that it was Jerry so sophisticated. before Dr. McDreamy. Had a very true. man vibe true, true, true. to him, but I mean, still. even 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 Jerry comments, you know, every every lady, you know, wants to chase a doctor. Uh, Kramer, there's a there's a good that's a good bit joke. by the way. The whole the whole that the the lady always wants to chase the doctor. They women chase they doctors like body. men chase models. Yeah, and then men just want the body. That that's a yeah. good bit. Uh when Kramer comes in, he's talking about um, his friend Bob Sacamano. First Bob Sacamano reference. It There's is a Bob an alternate Sacramento reference and a good one, too. Uh, oh, it's zany. That's a great one. My name is Bob! <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that had me laughing. I think my girlfriend uh, kind of looked at me weird when I was laughing at that one, but <laughs> I was laughing. Uh... He mentions in an alternate joke his cousin Ira, who got a pacemaker. And I'm gonna try and do this quote justice because like it's in characters. Kramer. Every time he walks past a giant magnet, now he's ghosted to convulsions. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was wild, Kramer. Like Kramer was he, he was high energy in this scene. He was because he's 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 a he's a big part of this episode, uh, which rightfully he should be. You know, getting close to our end of season two um just he's got some he's had some really strong episodes to end this season if uh if you think about it from what we've seen the last uh couple just from the stranded to the statue um now he won't be in the last two very much from what i recall but this episode he really he really hangs strong um he uh where is it? There's a quote. He's got a he's got a quote from the notes about his apparently he had a large collection of comedy videos and his favorite performer was a French actor who would use intricate and elaborate physical gags. And as soon as I read that, I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, mm. that makes sense." <laughs> uh he's quoted as saying uh so the guy's name was Jacques uh, it's French, so I don't know how to pronounce it. I want to pronounce it like an American who knows a little bit of Spanish. Tati. Yeah. Uh, Jacques Tati is. Uh, okay. So he says Tati is not well known. 
Uh, Toddy and Jerry Lewis were similar, but Toddy did not work in such broad strokes. There were there was a great pathos. It was like looking at a great piece of art, and you could just kind of hear Michael Richards just dedication to like the craft of physical comedy. I feel like that just, he saw people do it and saw how funny it could be. And that's just kind of when he dedicated his life. Yeah. And, it sounds like he like really studied it, you know, you know, and, and based a lot of his characters around, like, again, we were talking in the pre-show, some of the videos that are on the DVDs is a very early, like pre Seinfeld appearance. And you're just like, that's not Kramer. <laughs> Like, what? Like, if you cleaned it up and made it look like it came from the 90s, you would think that, like, yeah, that's, like, peak Kramer right there um, One without of the, calling it Kramer. Just just speaking on Michael Richards' um, performance art for a moment, one of the things I think he does really, really well that not a lot of physical comedies do, it's kind of like what you're talking about, whereas, you know, a lot of physical comics really go for the the big broad stroke that big punchline crash you know like the the chris farley falling through the table as as matt foley um <laughs> which 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 is funny but 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 the, but, but michael richards does it in such a um i can't think of the word i'm trying to find but just like a you know the the accidental bumps into like chairs or counters. You know, um, kind of like the accidental type stuff. He doesn't make it a big deal, but it's enough where uh, we take notice of it, and it's it's really funny. Um, Man, so I'm wa- so I was I was watching that video. So like, what you're talking about, just like I knew he was gonna use this. The, this he comes. Uh, it's the video on the DVD extras. He's a fitness trainer named Dick Williams, and he's on Jay Leno's show. And it's a bit like Leno obviously is in on it, and like you see some fitness equipment, and you just know Michael Richards is gonna fuck that fitness equipment up, <laughs> and you know it's coming, and he still is able to get a laugh out of you, like even when you know the gag is coming because of how he reacts to it and how he plans on the joke being funny before you know it's funny and i think that's just kind of a testament to you know that video collection of his and his love for the uh the french filmmaker and and but even like 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 the small stuff uh, as as we move on here um if i may as they go Go the uh the holistic route because it's cheaper than surgery to get totally up totally up kramer's alley um they they go to this this healer and right when they they walk in Kramer healer. and him do do the the embrace and that just that pause that 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 weird pause of them just embracing each other um it's fucking funny um so before we get into tor tor ekman you were talking about the sex talk in this in this episode. Yes. And George is talking about having orgasms. And yeah. went from having orgasms immediately to them taking forever. And he talks about never having a normal medium orgasm. Never, like, what a is a medium, medium orgasm? orgasm? It's either too like, quick or I've too long. I've always heard the I've I've heard I've always heard the the analogy to like pizza, 
like an orgasm is like pizza like even bad pizza is still pizza so it's like yeah i mean it's a bad orgasm but it's hey still an orgasm and i think some people would you know beg to differ on you know circumstances and Longevity. Uh, we're talking about consenting adults. We're, we're talking about well, we're talking about consenting adults here amongst oh, sure. uh, you know all things. But yeah, it's just you were you were mentioning the sex talk and how kind of out there this episode is. But I mean, we're we're getting ready to meet the holistic healer Tor Ekman, and I mean, you kind of have to match that energy if you're going to bring this guy into uh, oh into the fold. So we were talking a little bit earlier uh, about this guy, Stephen Toblowski. Greatness. This man the is great Stephen Toblowski. I, I, where do we begin? Do we? So he had appeared in, um, he had appeared in Mississippi Burning and Spaceballs. Yeah, Spaceballs. probably his maybe two biggest roles before appearing in. Seinfeld, but that role in Spaceballs is pretty is pretty, you know, big, I feel like. Like uh when I saw I was like, oh yeah, he is captain of the guard. Early on in Seinfeld, we haven't seen a whole lot of we've seen pretty much like Michael Chiklis and nobody really else that we kind of recognize. And Chiklis wasn't famous by that time. This guy was like the most famous extra. Or not extra, but like bit character they had brought in up to this point. You know what I mean? And, and like and this dude he had been is in everything after this. <laughs> like everything. This dude this dude's IMDB page is so damn one of the long. longest IMDB pages. Like I was scrolling through it, like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I finally just stopped because I got up to like two thousand six and I was like, How much more? It's only two thousand six. Uh, he's still putting out material like I mean he, well, he's the principal just... in the Goldbergs and even in the the nineties yeah, I saw that uh spinoff. I mean he's he's still there. He's I mean he's been acting continuously since nineteen like I wanna say his first appearance was in like was in seventy seven, but he's been getting regular work since nineteen eighty three. So right I out mean, of our he's got a podcast man. He's got a yeah. He's from he's well he's he's from Dallas, but not only that, he his family is very well known in this area. Oh um, really? For good reasons. For for good reasons and sad. I know he went his to SMU. His brother. Uh, he also he went to Kimball, dude. You know that's that that that's an Oak Cliff. Like wow. he went to yeah yeah. So he's like from Dallas, Dallas. Uh, his uh. So he's got a couple cousins. I, I think I might have said brothers. He's got a couple cousins. One is uh, a sculptor named George who um, I guarantee you if you've lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area or been through here regularly any time in the last 25 to 30 years, I guarantee you've seen some of this dude's work. I saw him with some sculptures outside the Dallas City Hall. Wow. Um, and he's got over 500 works of art all over all over the state. Um, very well known. Like you can type these guys' names into Google and get all kinds of information about them. Um, he also had this is the unfortunate sad. I was talking about a cousin, which is a former Dallas attorney uh, who was murdered in his home in 2016, and the mystery remains unsolved. Mm. And I was reading a little bit about it, and it got really dark. And I was like, okay, I'm here for happy thoughts. But it was a very interesting, like, um, just a very interesting, like, connection. 
one more crazy Dallas connection. Uh, early uh, in his life, uh, Tobolowsky was in a band. He's a very musical. Like, he likes music, I guess. I don't That's know how cool. to say that smartly. But he was in a band with uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know, oh. they recorded two songs, and Stevie Ray played guitar uh, for for them. Uh, uh, I need – there was uh, – because Dallas has always had this really great local music scene. Has had a decent music uh, scene. I think – Fucking Jack White. I, I, the, the Toadies, Bowling for Soup, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Eric Abadu. Like, da- Dallas has a great music scene. Doesn't, and, yeah, Stephen Toblowski was just – live on, like, White Rock Lake? Probably. Um, yeah, just casually, one of the most, you know, pro- I wouldn't even say prominent, one of the one of the just most regular, you know, guys that you see. And like, he had recorded some songs for Glee. That's what I was thinking of. Um, yeah, just, just been working, working, working. Oh, yeah, and was in a fucking band with Stevie Ray Vaughan, one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Uh, I may have to start giving this dude, he's got a podcast where it's just kind of autobiographical stories oh, of his acting. Oh, interesting. Life. That's cool. Uh, called the Tobla- called the Toblowski Files, and I'm... I might like, give that a peep. Yeah. Got up to 100 episodes, um, you know. Oh, wow. Episodes posted, post, posted January of this year. He's got episodes, so it looks like a season finale he put up in uh, January, but that's still, I mean, credit where credit's due. This dude is, people talk a lot about your Brian Cranston's and your Courtney Cox's and your Terry Hatcher's and all those the you know, folks Twister. who, Helen Hunt? No. no the, what chick from Twister? The chick that's in the Square to Spare episode. She, she's Dr. Uh, oh yeah, she's she is square to spare. Got you, got yeah. you, got you. I was like Helen Hunt. No, this is it's a different universe. It's mad about you universe. Uh, but yeah, you're right. All those all I'm mad about you podcast coming out. later on. <laughs> I'm down. Uh, we talk about all, everybody knows the famous famous people, but like this guy, super famous, and I think definitely deserves his. You know, he's the insurance agent Groundhog Day. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. He's even in some people's favorite movie, Memento. Like, I don't get it, but hey, he's in it and people love it. So, he, shout out to Steven Toplowski. Tor Ackman. Deadwood like, is, it's, I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of creepy. He does some weird stuff in Deadwood. I, dude, he's played everything. He He's played everything from creepy to, you know, funny sitcom principal to holistic healer who's about to you know help our friend george by telling him to get off cold showers and by telling jerry that he's drinking too much dairy oh my god dude when when he does when he's like i am a healer of like the spirit this that and the other and you are and puts his like fingers on george's temples i was dying Mm. i was like dude this dude is fucking hysterical all his hand gestures were unscripted Oh my god! You can tell he actually like took the time to like get into the character, and it was it was good. And that's why, and that's why he has one of the longest IMDb pages we've ever seen. I, <laughs> I swear it's so long. Tor Soblaski just kills it in the scene. Uh, the other uh, commercial uh, 
when Tor says, I'm not a doctor, and then Jerry goes, but you play one on TV. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a play on an old cough monologue. syrup commercial. That's a play on an old cough syrup, syrup commercial where some general hospital fake doctor uh, did a commercial recommending like the cough syrup. It was like, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. And I was like, God, they used to just let people do anything in advertisements back then. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, in today's day and age, they let just normal people play, play doctor on social media. So that is true. That is true. I guess that's worse. Oh, the good old days. Uh, the the too much dairy line actually stems from another uh, Larry Charles real life interaction. I guess there was a an actress who was shooting a television show near their writer's office and just said it to Larry Charles out of the blue. But it wasn't like uh, just like, hey, I'm being a weird, holistic, random weirdo. Like she was very adamant that people like stop drinking dairy and using dairy products. Yeah, and dude. She went on to you remember she, there was a she, there was a huge backlash on like milk for some reason in the nineties. Like well, there was a back against like the you gotta drink milk. Got milk. Well, I mean were they right? <laughs> I mean, if we think about it in today's terms, like, I mean, we, we've got some, we really only use dairy for like baking. Like if we just have it as like, if we have milk around the house for, you know, drinking, nah, bro, it's, I, uh, it's like, I oat like milk. Me some good old Hershey syrup or some Nesquik and some, some 1% milk. No, one percent no, anymore. Two percent anymore. One percent. Who are you? Who are you fooling? Who are you fooling with that one percent, <laughs> dude? On on days I'm feeling really naughty, I will do the whole milk. And mm. whole milk or kill yourself. <laughs> it's delicious. Was that too much? Sorry, I don't A advocate little Shep's for whole milk. Some uh, Ovaltine. Ovaltine, please. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> I I thought it was a I thought it was a funny line because of the the um the cereal like the amount of cereal that Jerry eats. So the fact that he was like, "You eat too much dairy," I was like, "Oh, that's fucking funny." Yeah, and I think that's why J- Jerry lingers on it so much too. And it's 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 a good in character. Um. Just good in character, you know, writing. Where <laughs> were you born in August? N- no, should have been. Should have been. It's Your like, parents would have been advised to wait. <laughs> what? What am I supposed to what? do with that information? <laughs> uh, How do I process this? <laughs> can I go? Can I go into hibernation for three months, like <laughs> stall the process, and then just come out three months later? Can I go back in time and make them wait? Oh my god. He just man, everything he does in this scene is just is rubbing his hands together. Uh he blows a raspberry in George's face, like can't can't do that no more. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so this is where they definitely would have had like a commercial and come back with the Stand up, but instead, uh, they go to Elaine's date with Doctor Fine, the tongue fetishist, holding on to her tongue. 
So uh, they do, and it's weird because this, it's just this one weird monologue of him. Then you see him holding Elaine's tongue and her just like nodding along. And then, oh, hey, by the way, we're still over here. So we get like, a, it's like, okay, simultaneous stories going on. Mm-hmm. Um, But, oh man, I wish I could take a screenshot. I just paused like the most basic the most best shots so fucking funny um but the list of uh the list of ingredients in the tea it's a cramp bark <laughs> i can't even it makes me laugh every cramp bark <laughs> uh these are all real things these are not made up like Ingredients. So the currant bark is the bark of the Gilder Rose. It's used in herbal medicine to treat spasms and convulsions, fits, and lockjaw. So oh, if you find yourself with a bit of lockjaw, currant bark. I, you know, Cleep. I, I could have used that about thirty minutes ago. That's unfortunate. Yeah, no, cleaver. It, it you should really you, was for a second. You should stock up on some currant bark. Cleaver is cleaver's herb and is a diuretic used to clean urinary stones as well as urinary infections and swollen glands. Oh. Okay, if you've okay. got some, if you got some pee pee issues, uh, and then couch grass, Just couch grass, couch grass. Oh, when you said that, I was like, hey, there's some couch grass around me too. Uh, probably over in this house as well. It's used to treat inflammation and increases the flow of urine through the body. So lots of lots of lots of urinary issues. I guess George is dealing with that. This guy has surmised. Uh, it's just so ridiculous, man. Uh, just unreal. Just. Unfucking real. George sitting in a triangle, like <laughs> the fucking is, like pyramid on top of his head. Yeah, just some of the most ridiculous comedy for that. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? It's it's thirty eight bucks, and you also have a night like this. That's what could happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. You end up. You end up. You know, getting a good sports score. The tea, the tea tastes kind of good, and then, bam, George is in an ambulance, looking like an eggplant. <laughs> when they're the ambulance drivers are arguing about, um, oh, the Chuckles. candy. Yeah, did you look this those things up? They don't look very appetizing. I, I are they kind of like tiny dots, like? You know the the dots, okay, like no, jelly candy, of, like just of miniature versions that, of like, those. Consistency, but more looking like a a like a a grain of like Captain Crunch. It's kind of what they look like, but like gummy. Oh, yeah, and they're like yeah. I'm sure there's a reason why they weren't filled. very successful enough for us to know about them in 2021. <laughs> they don't. Look oh, very, jelly filled, like, like a gusher. Not not quite like a gusher, just that like kind of gooey gummy. I don't know. It doesn't look very appetizing. Just give me gummy bears, man. Uh, apparently dots. in the in this scene, right? Dots are good too. In this scene, they're originally arguing over a horse recommendation, 
And apparently this was written, again, Larry Charles uh, wrote this based on a real story that had surfaced during the time of this episode, and then the notes didn't give me any more information. And I was like, well, that's not really enough to go on for research. So somebody hit me up with a story about an ambulance crashing because two guys were arguing either over a horse or chuckles, jelly candy. <laughs> or or I'll, I'll even broaden it a little further, candy in general. Um, to our one or two, I think we've got probably maybe a half dozen, maybe a dozen like legit listeners. Yeah, I see. We get there's some people working our, their way through our library. This will be a good long one for them to listen to. <laughs> yeah, we're only about like three quarters oh, way through the episode. No, we're almost done. We're almost done. There's okay. really only about five minutes left of the episode. That's true. Um, facts. I. George in the makeup, that looked like, I wonder what that, I mean, that does look like a lot of makeup, but, like, he had to sit for some makeup, right? It looked like the Willy Wonka kid. He looked like a guy named Oompa Loompa. Oh, no, because Oompa Loompa (laughs) wasn't wasn't purple, but he definitely looked looked like uh, Violet. Yeah. Yeah. And he had to do his hands. Or he got some of that sunblock that came out in the 90s that was for kids. Different colors. So the ambulance, they, 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 it's just such a, like, you were talking about how the first half of this episode is all like sex and now we're into violence. Like, we've got ambulance, you know, EMTs fighting each other in the street. This episode (laughs) is off the walls, man. This episode is crazy. Like, it just, it, 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 this is taking these, these turns and bumping into the wall going through the turn. So, it kind of it kind of like reminds me of that quote from Jerry earlier about these the th- people what they what they miss about a comics life is the real life aspect to it. Nothing happens to Jerry in this episode. Something happens outside. Except I guess for the crash. okay outside of except for the crash. But Kramer and George are also involved in that. But it Jerry is a bystander in all this. Kramer yeah. is the one who hooks up George with Tor, so he's very integral. Elaine kind of is along for the ride, but she ends up involved with the doctor and having this really weird date. So she's got her own little storyline that just kind of, you know, tangents off of this. Jerry is just kind of that observer, and he's going to take this story and whittle it down into a joke for a stand-up that he's going to use. You know what I mean? Like that whole, so I was in a car accident the other day and an ambulance. Like one of those stories that like nobody's going to believe this. They're going to believe that you wrote it as a joke and we're going to laugh at it. And we're going to suspend a little reality because, you know, anytime a comedian starts with true story, I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, suspension of disbelief. Right. And exactly. So I think this is one of those times where, you know, you get that sort of um, opportunity to see it. Yeah. You know, where a comic would get his material. Um, So we get to we get to a lane in the car you know turning turning the tongue guy down with the bacteria and all that membrane talk in i told you in the original draft she explained the date to jerry as opposed to us seeing this weirdo with his fingers on her tongue um and i'll just go ahead and read it to you because i had to write it down so full quotes fucking hilarious yeah okay uh 
last night I slept over at his place. I woke up in the middle of the night. I was strapped to the bed with a big light shining in my face and a mask over my ma- <laughs> and a mask over my mouth and nose. Note the proper mask wearing in the early nineties. <laughs> we all knew how to wear it back then. Uh, and he was muttering about incisions. Jerry wonders if she dreamt it. She shows him a weird mark on her arm. Like, what the fuck, bro? You got, like, you almost got Dextered. Like, what? That's crazy. Oh, my God. You were talking about how sexual this episode was. Like, we got this tongue fetishist who's, like, strapping Elaine down to a bed now. I mean, it's hot as that might think about. She needs to consent to it first, you weirdo. You can't just strap people to a bed on the first date. That's something you got to, like, talk about. So yeah, she definitely, right. you know, they, they toned it down for probably good reason. But the fact that, like, that was, like, in the original, like, draft, I love how dark they were willing to go. Like, they had their lines. We talked about uh, we talked about in a previous episode about their unwillingness to do, you know, a storyline revolving around a gun and a gun in an airport. You know, they all got together and said, no, we're not going to do that. Right. Um, but they were very willing to... To push the limit, so to say. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I don't think this would have worked. If they would have done what they had originally wrote, people would be like, what the fuck? Yeah, it would have been a little little (laughs) eyebrow-raising, like, hmm? But um, to kind of, yeah, yeah, that's where you're going, okay. Uh, And to kind of bounce with a little bit with Julia, uh, Larry Charles has a quote on her character and how... Uh, Elaine evolved in those earliest episodes. He talked about uh, how it didn't make sense. She was hanging out with these guys. She's got a career. She's beautiful. She's friendly. She's charming. We had to start exploring the darker sides of her personality, her compulsion to be honest, which would get her into trouble, her bad taste in men, a career that was stalled, uh, had stalled out. That was frustrating to her. And Julie is so likable and sweet. (laughs) On one level, that we can give her dark things to play, which makes, you know, she makes it more palatable. Somehow she makes it acceptable to the audience. And I think that's very true about Julia's take on the character. Yeah. Very well summed up. That that last part was me, not Larry Charles. Sorry. That was my take on Larry Charles's take on Elaine. <laughs> Julia's take on Elaine. An inception of takes. Yes. Uh, takeception. So <laughs> I think in this scene, like, I guess we see maybe Elaine's honesty in that sense. Like, she clearly has bad taste in men. She's with this creep who's, like, fondling her tongue. But then instead of, like, just politely declining or just being like, no, I got to go, she's like, no, that's what, gross with, with our tongues. and this. Yeah. So... Just yeah, think about with t- a little bit to work. Tongue, have been have have you ever just like stuck your tongue out of your mouth for like a oh, couple yeah. minutes and just let it get like super dry? Her tongue was been dry as fuck. Yeah, let's try and get this done in one take. I don't really want to be fucking with it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even with her little bit to work with in this episode, as always, she's the best. My favorite. Uh, as always. I love that they leave the EMT behind before they crash. Like that's true. Like I guess yeah. The the guy drives off like because they they get in a fight in the store or whatever. 
they stop in the middle of the street and fight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, the episode it bookends at the uh, just back at the hospital. Jerry kind of limps in. George is looking oh. much better. How'd you get the plastic one? I like yeah. it. George just 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 keeps trying to get ice cream. He's just like, I just yeah. want my ice cream. He just wants his ice cream. The the tongue sticking out was uh, improved by George, not scripted. <laughs> so good on him. Uh, he also improved the ice cream toss as well at the very end when it, that, that was. You, you, the, you know what? When I saw it, it it looks improved, which adds a nice little touch to it. I. I, yeah. I like it, but it looks like it was unscripted when he does it. Because it's the, the way that everyone kind of reacts to it. The uh, the bookend to Julia's B story here is she runs into that nurse again. And the nurse demands the Reader's Digest back. And she's like, like you can even see in the scene she's got a magazine in her hand when she gives George the ice cream. And... She's like, I've got to know what happens to Maryland, uh, Maryland. And the lady, the nurse says she went to a holistic healer. <laughs> She's all better now, <laughs> but she turned purple and it's permanent. And George just gets all bug eyed. It's so good. I was like, man, I don't know which one I would have preferred. Like the Reader's Digest one's pretty good, but the doctor it has one, a good end to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, the bookend feel to it. And then. Uh, we finally learned Jerry's no flaming globes of Sigmund, um, <laughs> which nonsense as usual, like all that, all that payoff for Jerry to get nothing out of it. So, uh, book that's ended with funny. the, <laughs> what's that? Yeah, that's not He's funny. Like, uh, yeah. That's not funny. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were telling me I'm not funny. Then I realized you were quoting the show, and I was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, we get the we get the stand up that we've uh, already talked about the Excedrin commercial where he just kind of retranslates it to the respirator, just more of his observational comedy that yeah. he likes to do. Yeah, man. I'd say, oh, uh, we didn't talk about Kramer because I think Kramer in this episode, he kind of comes out on top. He went to Ekman. He's all better. <laughs> yeah. He went to Ekman. He, he's all better now. What does so cost you now? I'm like sure. Six grand? Yeah. Up, up. Yeah. He pumps his eyebrows up. I'm like, oh, geez. Man. And one gets like one bite of ice cream. Yeah. Fun episode, dude. It it was a good one back to. I I had some fun watching it. And even and better even on on Hulu it had like the nineties like grain look to it and I was like, ah yes. This was good. <laughs> it does. Some some of those some of those outdoor shots are definitely not in the most H D that they could be. Um even after all that love, I guess in the grand scheme of things, I only gave it a three out of five. Yeah, that's I say I, that's kinda what I was thinking too. It's it's funny, but like I said, um, it just kind of seems all over the place, and it seemed it, to me it felt like one half of one episode and the second half of another just kind of stitched to be with each other. Um, uh, the bits were good, and Terblowski is phenomenal. 
uh, but not enough for it to be, you know, higher than a three. It's perfect middle of the road episode, something you can just put on and you know, okay, yeah, I know this. I know where it's going to be funny. I love that it's a uh, it's a George heavy episode. It is very you know, George that, heavy, and I do I do enjoy that by, very much. Moved along by Kramer. We don't forget about Elaine. Elaine is only along for the ride, even even more so than say Jerry, who is you know the central you know narrator, I guess, of this story. Yeah. And yeah, I like that it's not about Jerry. We get all the we get all our characters are involved. We get we, this is classic Seinfeld. Everybody's involved. We get a bit. And, uh, we and get then, a good bit character. And then Jerry's payoff and, is like it's it's a negative on him. You know, it's like he really doesn't get the payoff. He's like, oh, well, damn. Which is a theme that they uh, that 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 they do continue. Not not everything coming out positive for their main character. Love it. That's but that but that allows you to accept them being terrible people because if they were to win it's like oh we can't support this but if they're you know they get, get shit ends. on it's like they get their comeuppance i i would like once again to call bullshit on larry david's we didn't know what to do with kramer and kramer never left the uh building and dirt 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 it's like come on like we're we're, we're dropping this whole facade we only see jerry's apartment in the very beginning and both of it involve him sleeping so, yeah, what's Kramer doing it, it at the hospital? In the hospital, in the ambulance, at the holistic place, at and Torres. in Elaine's car. Yeah. So, but we, but, but were, we get barely I, any of the main set pieces in the diner and Jerry's apartment. That's, that is interesting. We at least get one scene in the diner. We get one scene at most. There were, I think, nine or ten scenes I had counted in terms of like going back and forth, uh, one of those like Elaine's date. I don't know if you want to count those as like separate scenes, just because they were you know cuts in location. Uh, you could almost kind of put the whole tour. Uh, I, what's I don't yeah. want to call it a seance, but that's what it came to me. But during Elaine's date, but again, like uh, it's just I was I, we're we're coming up on the end of season two. These last two episodes are just so awesome. And then I was looking at I was looking ahead, which you shouldn't do on the schedule. I know you gotta you gotta take it one game at a time. But man, if I could just buckle down and just get we get these episodes going, they're so Season good. Three. We're about to get we're about to get into just like it's really just two priming up, two, yeah. Oh my god, two of the best seasons. And and even season three, man, I was looking at the end of season three just because I like, you know, I like seeing, okay, I'm at the end of season two. What's the end of season three like? And I was looking at the end of season three and some of those episodes, I'm just like, ah. Oh. Like, we all know, what, you know, about the keys and everything, but don't let me get too ahead. We got the yeah, revenge the, up next. Yeah, the revenge is I'm, next. You, I'm looking forward to it. I think some good uh, continuity. If you've been watching and listening along the way we've been doing it, you get great continuity. <laughs> going into season three, <laughs> uh, I dude, I, I, I yeah, I don't know. I enjoy being back watching Seinfeld and talking about Seinfeld. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to continuing to do so. Uh, I'll let you go first with the socials before I close this out. All right, that sounds dope. Um, if you so like Seinfeld takes place in the '90s. If you uh take a look at, talk about, or 
um, I don't know, just poke around some other uh, 90s cool shit into your on like Instagram. You can find me at Children Roasted 89. Uh, I'm a I'm a 90s connoisseur. Um, if that's not your main primal social, but you're like a Twitch watcher, I'm on there. Same thing, Children Roasted 89. Channel Surf, come around, say hi. Let Let's talk uh, some 90s and and some early aughts. We do another podcast where we talk about the same thing. We go back to the 90s. Uh, it's called Chill Back to the 90s. You can find that on all your major podcast platforms if you enjoy our if you enjoy our voice and want to hear us talk about some other cool stuff that happened within this decade the late 1900s you can find us there what kind of topics have we talked about so far Ooh, so far we have talked about mortal Kombat. we talked about aol and signing on in, in the 90s we talked about ed ed and eddie uh we've talked ca- cartoon network nickelodeon game shows uh Like, oh, the weasel, man, Polly Shore. We just watched an episode of Futurama last night that had Polly Shore in it. And I was like, yeah, the weasel. Yeah, the weasel. Uh, good stuff, man. Yeah, 90s podcast is a lot of fun. I, I enjoy I enjoy going back and, and reliving those memories and, and just discovering all those fun things. And uh, One would say nostalgia. chilling back. Chilling back in the 90s. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, if you, you know, want to follow me on Instagram, that's cool. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, at don't fold the maps, all one word. Um, that's really it. You can follow at this underscore is the show on Twitter. Uh, I know every time I post a new episode, you'll, it gets posted to Twitter. So that's a great way to follow us to find out when a new episode, I'm not as active as I would like to be on it but i know every time i post a new episode it gets posted to twitter as well so that's a great way to find out when new episodes are dropping and then yeah you can like you said you can find uh us on all your podcasting distribution what, systems spotify 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 thank you iHeartRadio. what do you uh what are your holistic hol- holistic remedies you know my whole my holistic remedy is uh oh yeah yeah are you talking about you were you were thought that was, was a question to me to, you were asking to uh to the yeah. listener but yeah it, i mean yeah but yeah <laughs> it's gonna end it here this is the show and we're not changing it